DJ Leroy. Night Watchman, my brother. How you been, man? I'm well. How are you? Good, good. So, Night Watchman, I can't believe more and more stuff seems to be emerging about Fox, man. Do you believe it? Uh, I don't care about them. <gasps> this is, this is, you don't? This is, we, we, we have truth on this channel. That's all oh. I can tell you about. Oh, yep, so yep. so you telling me that this show is about the real deal? Is that is that uh, what you're it, saying? It, on, real deal only here. Uh, yeah. Ah, okay. So so we have somebody who might be termed a Renaissance person, a Renaissance woman. Is that correct? That's correct. I mean, you you couldn't do it at any other time, but of course, Women's History Month. Is that correct? Um, we could do it any other time, actually. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but we chose to do it today. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Well, you know what? Without further delay, we got to bring her up. Uh, Dr. Crystal Lee. Bring her up. Hey, Doc. Good morning. Good morning. (laughs) No, Night Watchman is already out there. It's in the ether. That's right. (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) uh, So, so Doc, uh, needless to say, uh, just going over your bio, you are truly, like I said, uh, and Night Watchman made the joke. There must be at least four of you. <laughs> <laughs> that that would be really awesome. <laughs> How do you do it all? How do you find the time to do it all? Well, let's start by talking about what brought her to New York. Ah, yes. Do tell. Yeah, so good morning, everyone. In my dinner, uh, otherwise known as Navajo language, um, we say Bene. So good morning. Um, first of all, I'd like to just introduce myself in my tribal language. Um, my name um Dr. Crystal Yanishia, Natodana Etachi Inishle, Nanish Edatan Baham, Bashishin, Sanjikina Dashiche, Kinslachini Dashinele, Tiso, Arizona, A Day Nasha. Um, I'm originally from a very, very small community um, on the Navajo reservation called Tiso, Arizona, and I just stated my poor tribal clans. Wow dedicated to Women's History Month as our tribe is matriarchal because of our matrilineal clanship system that we always uh, take our mother's clan first. So, (laughs) Yes, yes. Very nice. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me on the show. It's such an honor. Um, And and why we're here in New York City is us and our team. That's inclusive of uh, my business partner, Dr. Ebony Ganados, and two of our youth uh, tribal council members for United Natives. We actually came here to present uh, at the United Nations Commission on Status of Women. Mm-hmm. Um, and our topic was centered around indigenous women and in leadership using a hybrid of technology, education, cultural knowledge, and community-based resources in both urban and rural areas. Wow, wow. So, so, uh, so, Dr. Lee, do tell us, because you have a many different hats that you wear, right? Uh, and and we're going to try to cover all of them. Uh, and one, of course, that kind of got me, because remember, I'm an old uh, b-ball player. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I did see through the bio, you have not one, but two professional teams. Do tell. Correct. Yes. So, um, reservation... On the reservation, basketball is such a big deal. Uh, there's not a lot of resources or outlets um, on the reservation 
for especially Native youth and basketball is, it just happens to be one of our main things that our youth engage in because it um, doesn't take a lot of money and you can just put a hoop literally anywhere. So mm-hmm. a lot of our res kids, I grew up on a reservation, uh, grew up playing res ball. So basketball wow. is such a huge, a huge proponent in our lives. And um, like yourself, I did play a couple of years in college. I played in junior college as a, a two, three shooting guard. Nice. And um, just, you know, basketball for the love of the game of, of it um, really taught me a lot, not just as, as a player, but also uh, in general about life skills. And I seized an opportunity last summer uh, to participate in part ownership of um, a basketball team. Mm-hmm. And at the time I went into uh, this opportunity, I was one of three um, persons who owned the team. And then mid-season, I bought my other uh, two um, co- co-owners out and I became sole owner. Wow. And then this year I picked up um, another team. So we renamed the teams. Um, what are their names? So the the one in Tecate, Mexico mm-hmm. is now called Tecate Magic. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and the other team is in Rosarito, Mexico, and we're calling it Rosarito Sun. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I already did uh, see your swag that you were wearing. You were wearing a Suns hat. Hmm? Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, well, yes. Yes. Well, well, we we certainly will see now that you guys have uh, acquired KD, who's now injured. I understand, but we'll see how this uh, this season plays out for sure. So, Night Watchman, I see you're ready. You're aiming. Go ahead. Uh, I just, um, I'm first of all, we're, we're really uh, delighted to have you on the show. Um, I wanted to hear a little bit more about your journey in um, addressing the issues of in, indigenous health. So tell us how that started and, and, and where you are now with that. Okay, um, sure. So by, by training, um, academic training, I am considered an infectious disease research doctor. Mm. And I did my training uh, specific to infectious disease and preventative medicine at UCLA School of Medicine in the Department of Neuroscience and Biobehavioral Sciences. And so just understanding um, our lack of cultural responsiveness when it comes to adequate healthcare um, and and growing up on the reservation, uh, both of my, my maternal and paternal grandfathers were Navajo medicine men wow. and um, conducted a lot of health and healing ceremonies and a very holistic uh, practice and I really wanted to use um, my cultural background when it comes to health and healing combined with elements of Western medicine through my academic training. So how we got into this space is uh, our nonprofit sector, which is called United Natives. Um, during the time of COVID, because COVID really had a large adverse impact on our tribes especially my tribe, the Navajo Nation, mm. um, when the state of New York and the state of New Jersey were at one of its highest peak um, in the world, my tribe actually superseded um, the COVID cases per population capita globally wow. in late March, early April of 2020. So um, my nonprofit uh, partnered with Frontline 
physicians and we um, together raised over $3 million um, in worth of PPE supplies. Again, very limited resources on the reservation. So we had a direct contract with Lysol mm-hmm. and um, we disseminated so many uh, products that were needed to help address COVID. But we also had a quarantine, a quarantine phase and we secured a hotel of about 300 rooms and we did all the transportation and we started quarantining um, some of our community members in um, Arizona. And through our quarantine phase, um, the social impacts were definitely highlighted. A lot of domestic violence in the house, increase in substance abuse, um, grief trauma, and housing insecurity, food insecurity. So uh, that's when I called uh, my business partner, Dr. Ebony Granados, who you will meet. And I said, we we have to start something, uh, especially um, relating to mental behavioral health, because that seems to be the huge ripple impact post-COVID. So um, by way of our efforts through our nonprofit United Natives, we then um, started our company, Indigenous Health. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and and Doc, please do tell. Uh, now we certainly know at off the reservation, we, we've seen how the nation literally is divided in terms of some. We, we had forty five saying, of course, that COVID was a hoax, or remember the Chinese flu, Kung flu, all that negative, uh, stereotypical type stuff. On the reservation, how was it received? The information about what was happening. Uh, uh, with, with COVID, how were you guys dealing with that? Well, um, you know, the mes- public health messaging is also a key factor in communication. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we didn't really have access to information that spoke to mm-hmm. our community members at the level, I think the message needed to be heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but we also want to be mindful of the fact that through colonization, um, from Europe and French and Spanish, that the Native Americans, indigenous people here in North America were purposely um, exposed to infectious disease, such as mm. to help eradicate our communities. Yep. So yep. when COVID hit, it was it, the, the, the grief and trauma in association with the pandemic again um, was already existent. So, and, and we had higher elevations of associated grief and trauma based on our previous experience um, through our genocidal practices that were imposed amongst us um, centuries ago. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And 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 cer- certainly we've seen, um, uh, just expanding a little bit, we've seen the um, pushback in terms of, let's say, the teaching of real history, truthful history. Correct. So, so <laughs> Just, just wondering, uh, the Native American uh, dialogue or a story, have you seen pushback, let's say, in some of the states from Arizona to Nevada to Oklahoma about you know, literally the real truth behind uh, how they were systematically uh, attempted to be wiped out? Yes, especially in um, the public school systems. Uh, there, there has been a lot of pushback and resistance amongst of course, implementing um, what what Columbus Day even is, and mm-hmm. that we were here prior uh, to to colonization, and 
Um, of course, the genocidal practices. I, I actually got a master's degree from University of Oklahoma, um, focused on indigenous people's law, so I could really understand from um, sort of federal Indian policy level how historically and politically um, these policies have impacted our communities. And um, let's go back to current with the COVID. Um, and I have to say that while states were getting federal relief funding to yeah. address COVID in the states, um, in their respective states, and tribes did not get any uh, federal funding for the first round. So wow. we're already talking with tribes, COVID happens, and we're already limited in resources combined with lack of federal aid. Mm -hmm. And we did not, and tribes had to actually fight to get um, COVID relief funding, and we were not given funding until fall of 2020, whereas most, um, where all states, unite, um, all the states within the U.S. got federal relief funding early on when COVID hit. So this is um, also, um, as being tribal and being sovereign nations, that we are in a political, um, we're always in a political trenches, uh, whether we like like it or not. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And and one thing I, I know, Night Watchman, when we were having a, a lunch, uh, he, he rightfully did like, because remember, we talked about the Super Bowl and we had my team won. I will not say their name, <laughs> <laughs> but but we certainly do know that finally, after uh, many years, Dan Snyder agreed to finally uh, uh remove the name the Redskins. So tell me about in terms of some of these uh, legacy uh, mascots or names that teams use. Very, very offensive. What what have been the uh, opinion on, on the res? Um, I can speak to 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 my circle yep. that we are definitely not a fan of yeah. um, using Native Americans in any capacity as a form of mascot. Yes. Uh, there's there's a few things that are associated um, with it, psychological distress, because of the notion that we're we're not human. We are um, a caricature. We are a mascot. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Also, the 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 aspect of what type of visibility that means for us. Um, I remember going to an Atlanta Braves game and they were doing the tomahawk talk. Yes. And I, I got extremely offended. And when you have, you, you know, these uh, people wearing headdresses um, and, and, and they're doing it in to quote unquote cheer for the team. But a lot of, a lot of these um, elements, whether it's the headdress, it's the, the other, um, aspects of our our cultural regalia that are used in sacred spaces through ceremony but it's almost like we're being mocked mm -hmm. in, in public spaces and people don't really understand the misrepresentation that it leads to then the fence um that it also leads to gotcha gotcha now watchman i see you <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'm just listening to some of the parallels you were talking about in terms of the the health crisis from COVID. You know, um, I wasn't aware that it um, it hit your uh, reservation almost the same time as it hit New York, and uh, I think everybody was kind of caught by surprise at how 
quickly and how deadly it came in. Um, and uh, in here, in our space, people were more or less sheltering in, in place. There were no hotels. I, I, I think that was an innovative solution to, to try to quarantine. But the rest of it sounds very similar. Um, we found in our communities that resources were not being allocated and distributed nearly as fast as they were in other areas. And even as things were supposed to be distributed, for some reason, they were setting up resources in, in, in Central Park and, and basically benefiting um, the areas that were least impacted. And when we saw the maps of where, where we were being hardest hit, you know, it was our areas. It was it was Harlem. It was the Bronx. It was areas of Brooklyn, um, and uh, and yet they were not setting anything up directly in our communities. So we see these these parallels, and um, um, you know, I'm I'm glad that we're able to have this dialogue. And and again, you know, this is a space where we talk the truth about what has happened and uh, the history of 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 uh, genocidal practices and. And uh, so I'm just feeling feeling my heart about what you're talking about, about the re-traumatization um, of, of people as a result of seeing you know, a, a pandemic and understanding the history of it. Yes. Thank yes. you. I, I also want to highlight, you know, what is red life like? I know that was a question. Yeah. Um, for for um, there's some context, there's 570 for federally recognized tribes in the U.S. Mm. That's inclusive of Alaska Native communities. Gotcha. Um, and we're all distinct, although we have similar values and philosophical um, mindset and worldviews, we each have our own tribal languages and, and associated cultural systems. Um, so I also want to talk about the similarities, but also tribes are completely also different and distinct. Um, my tribe, which is the Navajo Nation, we have the largest tribe in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Our reservation um, is about the size of the state of West Virginia, wow. so around 27,000 uh, square feet miles, so it's a pretty big land mass. And mind you, we only have 13 grocery stores um, within within our, our jurisdiction. Crazy. A third of our population does not have running water. A fourth yeah. of our population does not have electricity. So when COVID hit and the CDC was recommending for us to wash hands for, uh, for prevention purposes, um, how do you tell communities who don't have those basic amenities to, um, to follow? So our, our communities got hit really hard just because also of the lack of running water, of electricity, information, getting access to information at adequate time because we don't have electricity, hence internet. Um, so all these all these um, social aspects um, were were definitely highlighted during COVID. Mm. Absolutely. So uh, so certainly when uh, we saw uh, forty five when uh, we had the, uh, the flooding, the destruction, the hurricane that hit, of course, Puerto Rico during COVID. Were there any visits by federal officials to the res? Yes, so we, we got some, we had uh, like, um, I want to say federal officials. I think I think the CDC did come at one point. I believe um, we got Doctors Without Borders who came. 
Uh, we had some academic institutions give some um, relief. So, I mean, people, some, some people did really try to come and support. Uh, and, you know, and, and because of our, a lot of other grassroots organizations, just not, not only my nonprofit, but mm -hmm. a lot of other grassroots um, native based or Navajo based organizations also did an amazing um, contribution as well. So we kind of all pulled together as much research as we can. So kudos to all the other, all the other organizations. <laughs> and we got a lot of celebrity support too. Nice, uh, different nice. celebrities who who are who are assisting and supporting, um, allocating resources for our tribe. Nice, and and Doc, one of the other things uh, was said. Of course, I, I refer to you as the Renaissance woman, doing everything. Uh, <laughs> one of the other things, knowing that you do uh, travel a lot uh, between New York uh, and Arizona, uh, and so I definitely want to know. You mentioned that you're also on the board of L'Oreal, the cosmetics firm. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah, so um, I've been sitting on L'Oreal USA for um, the past three years, since 2020. And it's really to bring inclusion of um, indigenous people mm -hmm. and into the space of these quote unquote uh, invisible spaces because of our lack of um, representation. Mm -hmm. But also um, L'Oreal, I believe has done a really good job of being intentional and not very surfacey. You know, I think it's um, one thing to say, well, we want inclusion, but then don't really practice the aspect of inclusion. But L'Oreal has did an amazing job of, of the inclusion aspect and also supporting um, our efforts. So right now, L'Oreal did fund us for uh, a grant. There's there's a huge epidemic both here in the U.S. and Canada that's called the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women epidemic. So what this means is because of our political jurisdiction on reservations, um, our Native American women are targeted uh, because we don't lack because we lack the right to try criminal cases and or any other federal um, federal offenses on the reservations um, that are criminal based. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the perpetrators are not Native American. A lot of the victims are Native American. Mm -hmm. and a lot of these cases fall through the crack. And because of that, our Native women are definitely targeted. We have the highest homicide rate out mm -hmm. of the ethnic group in the US. We also have the highest rate of sexual assault wow. in racial ethnic group in the U.S. as well. In incredible. Uh, that, that is definitely one of the things that I want you to speak about that a little bit more, that literally the number of Native women who have disappeared. And remember, in terms of folks looking for them now, you may have some, I got to say, you have some blonde, blue-eyed young lady who disappears and suddenly everybody... Uh, they're on the news 24/7 but native women forget it so uh tell tell me tell me about that what you've witnessed there in that space yeah i'm i'm going to go on personal but also mm -hmm. when our other panelists come on mm -hmm. i would also like them to speak about this because uh, okay. each of us have different experiences but in a nutshell um a lot of our native women are going missing again or being targeted um, either were uh, through homicide or even sex trafficked. Um, all, all these 
all these social oppressive states and 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 because of our political jurisdiction um we do have the highest cases also i want to state that a lot of our stereotypes of why we are are being dehumanized mm-hmm. as we're not important enough to be um to to be on the news we're not important enough to if someone goes missing uh for efforts to try to find us mm-hmm. um is all those um associated stereotypes well you know she was probably drinking anyways yeah. or mm-hmm. she was on drugs so you know wow. she's in a quote unquote um uh, as valued because of all these stereotypes that us native native women have um and so i've heard this um a lot about why um why you know we're just not deemed as valuable members of the communities um in 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 quote unquote mainstream society so um but yeah i would definitely like to expand on this when our when our other panelists come on okay for sure because uh night watchman we certainly have heard that narrative with uh black women as well who go missing you know uh but uh go ahead night watchman Oh no! I'm just, just you know, um, it's 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 just sad um, and and shocking that these things exist, and there's really very little media coverage on these things, other than on you know very you know narrow channels. But um, that's why we um, we have channels such as this, so we can talk about them openly and hopefully shed some light on them. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know what, uh, Doc. Why don't we, you know, what start to bring your your folks out? What do you say? Yes, I agree. Okay. Um, we can have everyone log on. <laughs> Let me <That's> see. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who do, who do you want to bring out first? You tell. Well, me. let's start with uh, Dr. Ebony Granados. All right. Here we go. Okay. Oh, there we go. Hi. Hey, Doc. How, How are you doing? <laughs> Welcome uh, to Soul Lounge Prime Time. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Oh man, this is good. This is very, very good. Uh, and so, Doc, please tell me about your journey. Okay. Well, um, how Miyaki Oyapi, Doctor Brushbeard, Ebony Granados, Le Macias, Gomi, Hichita, Inakuji. I just want to say good morning. Hold on one second. Night Watchman, you able uh, to bring that down? Okay. Go, I'm sorry, Doctor. Go go ahead one more time. Let's try that, it. That's okay. Um, it looks like we're both in the same room, so that's probably why you're oh, getting that's... a little bit of people. Yeah. <laughs> <Right. laughs> gotcha. You know, you, know, you uh, New York hotel rooms are pretty small, so. <laughs> yes. <sir. laughs> that's right. <laughs> So yeah. how how Midaki Yapi, Dr. Ebony Brushbreaker Granados, Makbia Skanwi, Le Nichi Yapi. Hi, my name is Ebony, uh, Dr. Ebony Granados Brushbreaker. I am um, also my Lakota name is Makbia Skanwi, which is White Cloud Woman. Mm-hmm. And I'm originally from the Rosebud Sioux tribe. Um, I'm also half Native American and half black. And mm-hmm. so I just want to say good morning and good morning. Uh, <laughs> absolutely beautiful. All right. And Dr. Lee, who who else do we now have on deck? I think we have um uh Cheyenne uh Begay also in the uh, green room. All right. 
let's bring bring her out. Here we go. Oh, great! And she has Aaron with her. Okay, great. Yay! great, great, great. <laughs> All right. How's everybody doing? And welcome to New York. Thank you for the welcome. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Cheyenne, let's start off with you. Tell us about your journey. Okay. Good morning. Yate Bene Shay Shayani Fige Inishe Kilo Chitni Nishlan Tet Chitni Bushes Chin Ado Nana says a Tet Chitni Dashi Dog Inishnele Tego Huzana De Nasha. So, good morning. I just introduced myself of where I come from, uh, my mother and my paternal um, parentist clans. And I am from Windrock, Arizona. And I am also a uh, Diné which is uh, Navajo as well. Beautiful, beautiful. Erin, welcome. Hi. <laughs> All right. T tell us about your journey. Um, yeah, it's a Abinish, a Erin John Dinishia. She a not Odene touching the Schlem, but any Bushishin, Otto Sinjikine, a Dutchedo, Kipuchini, Dutchinelle. She a Nadi Naki, a Shnahe, Zrahodzani cast it. Now, what all Pagi, a University in New Mexico, where as an Enigi pre medical Vinya inch trap. Um, hello, I just introduced myself in my own language. Mm -hmm. um, I just basically said my name, like, hello, my name is Aaron Johns. I'm 22 years old, and I stated my four clans of where I come from. Mm -hmm. So my first clan is the um, tobacco people, born for the folded arms people. My paternal grandfathers are the towering house clan, and then my my mud turtle. I'm sorry, I switched it. Um, <laughs> Others are the Towering House Clan, and my paternal are the Red House Clan. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, welcome one and all. Needless to say, and I know, uh, Dr. Lee, you kind of touched on it uh, earlier in terms of them necessarily not wanting to kind of like have us speak about history, speak about what, uh, you know, has transpired all over these many centuries. So you guys even speaking in your native tongue I could imagine in public school that would have been outlawed. What has been your feeling in terms of really being true to the culture? Uh, uh, Dr. Granado, please tell, tell me about uh, what you've experienced. Definitely. <clears throat> so what I experienced in um, school is uh, not being able to um, feel comfortable as representing myself as an as a indigenous, a Native American um, female and that I had to hide part of myself because I am um, half native and half black. So I was able to um, be welcomed as a African-American female, but not welcomed as a native American female. And wow. that was very difficult um, growing up, especially um, while I was born in the seventies. So growing up in the eighties and the nineties was, mm -hmm. was terrible um, and still pretty relevant today in South Dakota because I grew up in South Dakota. Um, still very prevalent of the racism, um, the systemic racism, and the historical trauma that we as Native Americans in South Dakota face. Um, not being able to um, embrace your culture, your language, um, your tradition, and who you are. Wow, wow. Cheyenne and Aaron, same experience? Um, yeah, so when I was in elementary school, I was born in Las Vegas, Nevada, uh -huh. and then I uh, moved back to the reservation. And when I moved back to the reservation, it was more of how I mostly found cultural identity within myself uh, compared to the city of where I was the only Native American in my class. Wow. And I always thought of something that I wasn't Native. 
I knew I was Navajo, but I didn't really see no one that was really like me in my school. Uh-huh. Um, so I think moving back to the reservation was a great um, thing that my mom could do because I learned my culture and my self-identity of who I am as a uh, Diné person. Beautiful, beautiful. Aaron? Uh, for me, I grew up on the reservation. I was born and raised. I went to high school on the reservation. Uh-huh. And where I go to college, it's not far, probably like a good two, three hours away. But um, and it's very diverse. There's so many um, Native students where I go to school. And growing up on the reservation, I'm truly proud of that. I'm glad that my parents um, were able to bring me up there because I was very involved like in our culture, our language, attending ceremonies and all of our traditional events. But coming out here like to the city, bigger cities, um, when I tell people I'm Native, they mostly don't believe me. And, like, oh, <laughs> we thought you were Asian or we thought you were uh, and they just ask the stereotypical questions like, do you get money from the government? Um, <laughs> wow. wow. And I'm like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> it's like a culture shock to most people. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and Dr. Lee, you know, I've already asked you a number of times, like, uh, how the heck do you have this relationship with, you know, with Staten Island, Wu-Tang Clan, all that stuff. So tell, tell me about you. Uh oh, I think you're on, on, on mute. Let's see. I can unmute you here. Okay, you're good. All right. Okay. Good. Thank you. <laughs> yes. um, I've always, I've always had a special connection to New York City, although I was raised on the rise. Um, and uh, through my, um, so I've been working with the United Nations since my twenties, doing. Um, fighting for human rights, especially as it pertains to indigenous communities globally. So just my consistent connection with with um, the city by coming in for either UN meetings, UN events. Um, you know, I just, I just met uh, so many great people here in New York City that actually now became close friends and family and, and the circle just keeps getting bigger. Happy to have met you both here. Um, and so I think, and and I just I, I love the fact that um, um, that we're highly welcomed here every time mm-hmm. we come into the New York City space, and that there's definitely an exchange of of, of respect and exchange of knowledge um, to my fellow New Yorkers here. Beautiful, beautiful. And and uh, Dr. Ebony, uh, do tell in terms of your testimony uh, to the UN, what was it like? Uh, and and tell me, was there there any let's say policy objectives that they'll they will be uh, uh, reviewing. Um, we were not able to speak on policy um, objectives uh, for them to review. However, it was a beautiful experience being able to meet people from um, Greenland to um, Canada to Mexico. Um, it was just beautiful to see all of these indigenous uh, women of of color throughout um, the world and. Um, showing them as indigenous people, Native American people um, here in America that we still exist and we're not living in quote unquote teepees and um, (laughs) function in society just like everybody else, um, but we're still able to hold on to our culture. So it was a very proud moment for myself. I know it was a proud moment for the team and for the other um, three beautiful ladies that were on the panel with me. Um, mm-hmm. So it was just a, a great experience, and I can't wait to go back. 
Nice, nice. Uh, certainly, uh, at Night Watchman, you can uh, help me weigh in on this. Sometimes one of the things that we, uh, as, as let's say, black people in America, uh, sometimes get a little bit, um, I guess, concerned and offended by are sometimes a, a, a white person in our space taking the lead and telling us what we should expect or what we should be doing. Uh, so any thoughts on that? Well, uh, you're talking about we, we sometimes we call it mansplaining. Sometimes it's white splaining when uh, somebody who's taken five minutes on on Google and Wikipedia to learn something and they want to dangle their little fact and then come into the space as, as if they're an expert. So, yeah, we've, we've definitely seen that. Um, but I'm glad that you all had an opportunity to uh, to speak uh, to the United Nations, to a global audience and express yourselves uh, fully and authentically. Um, and these are the ways that we have an opportunity to make a difference where we can come um, to safe spaces and give people uh, of what's going on. Uh, I know uh, Curtis and I have learned a lot just listening to you and echoing, you know, some of the things that we've seen happening um, in our communities, and that's why we are, um, you know, this is a this is an open space for you guys, and uh, you know, this is not necessarily the first time. We we definitely are going to welcome welcome you guys to come back on the show with any updates on what's going on. So, um, <laughs> absolutely. Well, 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 Doctor Lee, you already know swag, swag. <laughs> oh, he wants he wants some free free t-shirts. Oh, no, 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 that is not me. I pay for my oh, stuff. Okay. Yeah, that's free pay, free pay for yeah, so we, we, we want to support this swag. But I also want to hear about the uh, Dr. Crystal. You have a fashion line as well. So uh, again, that was, I, I think that's the fourth clone that does the fashion uh, line of things. <laughs> Yes, um, it's called Dr. B Collections. Um, wow. By by, so I have a few nicknames. Um, my my family calls me Bushy or Bijo. Um, my Navajo nickname is Estan Balakop Bashbawat Aloni. So all bees. Um, so that's how Dr. B came. Wow. <laughs> my name. Um, just uh, back to my roots. And, <laughs> And so um, definitely getting involved in the space of fashion. Um, and and, and I, I would love to see where this goes. I'm new. Um, I'm new to the fashion industry and business. Um, again, this is uh, I'm not a trained fashion designer, but I do love uh, fashion and that how we have the ability to utilize fashion to express ourselves. Um, and and so how to, you know, be a, a a social change by, by way of fashion. I do like to say that for every product that we do sell, mm -hmm. um, a large percentage goes back into our nonprofit efforts. So it oh, has nice. a huge element of social entrepreneurship um, to help our um, for our youth and, and also our clients uh, through our substance abuse program. And, and you can look good doing it and feel good while buying it because you know it's going back into something that's, that's mm -hmm. relevant. Absolutely. And uh, Cheyenne and Aaron, do you guys see yourselves as really cultural ambassadors with whenever you travel uh, the country? Um, I, <laughs> I think that 
I honestly think I do because um, when you meet a lot of people like this past, um, on was it yesterday? Two, two days ago, a lot of them were for Ukraine and they asked uh, people like, you're the same age as you questions. And it's really great that they can have that person that's the same age as them to answer those questions and be a great representative, um, an ambassador for your own tribe and to understand those questions. Um, and it takes a lot of pride and a lot of um, opportunities for um, us as well to be role models. And that's one thing that we really wanna do for our, um, for our little nieces, our family members. In a way, we're becoming role models for them, and that's something that we take really great pride in. So, beautiful, Erin. Yeah. Same thing. Um, yeah, I would consider us cultural ambassadors um, because, for example, Cheyenne is, or I should say, Cheyenne. Both of us model, so that uh -huh. we have a lot of followers on Instagram and stuff. <laughs> so, and it's nice to know that a lot of our youth and a lot of um, Native Native people really look up to us, and we try to keep that pride to us. Especially like when we come out to spaces like this, like we really do try to represent as much as we can, and let people know that we're still here, that we're still resilient, and that we're just we're just as special as everybody else, you know. So mm -hmm. excellent, and and Dr. Ebony. You, you too, in terms of, let's say, you're not just one thing, but mo many things. And when you travel these states, you're letting them know that you are, you are a part of every, let's say, part of a person that, let's say, may be the marginalized group. Definitely. Um, I make sure that uh, we command a room when we walk in and that um, we're just as important as any other ethnicity uh, within that room. My grandmother used to tell me, um, in order for you to understand where you're going, you must know where you came from. And that's powerful that when we speak, we're not only speaking for ourselves, but for our ancestors as well, that we're, we're not able to speak for themselves. Nice, nice. Uh so now, uh, I guess uh, a night watchman, uh, help me out because I think uh, Dr. Lee, you kind of mentioned this uh, when uh, when Bob had mentioned that you know his wife had been doing the traditional hoop dancing with the uh, Thunderbirds uh, because they are an, uh, an Eastern uh, United States phenomenon. You may not necessarily been uh, um, how should I say knowledgeable about that, but let's say well, where you're at in Arizona and Nevada, are there also those still keeping the culture alive big time uh oh oh okay hold on okay there you go yes um absolutely um i think we also um so in the southwest a lot of uh the tribes there um have definitely have been able to sustain a lot of our cultural elements. Um, mm -hmm. So also in the Dakotas mm -hmm. as well, the North and South Dakotas. Um, so, and, and I think when we, when we figuratively speak about how colonization occurred, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, the East Coast was hit pretty hard first with the, the European mm -hmm. um, influence. And then from the North, it was the French from, from Canada. Mm -hmm. And then from the South, it was the Spanish from Mexico Mm -hmm. um, so just um, also um, um, conceptualizing um, the waves of colonization and 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 who was who was had contact first mm -hmm. um, also plays a big imprint on 
how sustainable that we keep our cultures and um so um but yes absolutely we we hold on i think um a lot of navajos are more fluent in comparison with our language comparison to other tribes mm-hmm. um so and i think our youth um you know having aaron and cheyenne here speak speak to the levels of how how um, integrative they are in, in preserving the culture and the language um, states a lot too. But also the fact that uh, we're trying to revitalize through our, our indigenous health efforts, um, through our company, a lot of the people that we do assist um, have lost some forms of identity. So we try to reintegrate that back in to their health and healing when they're, when they're addressing their substance issues. Um, and we also bring in medicine men, mm-hmm. um, different tribes. We have a Hopi medicine man, Apache, Navajo, Lakota, and we offer the spiritual and the cultural aspect too to, towards their health and healing. So it's it's really um, we're really using a hybrid of both Western medicine and integrating our culture and language and um, and medicine back into back to our people. Wow, wow. And, and you know what? I almost forgot, uh, Dr. Ebony, uh, thank you for your service. You know, I mean, eight, eight years. Uh, what was your experience like as a, a Native American and Black in the Army? Well, well, a lot of people um, speak about how could you serve a country that um, basically um, caused mass genocide. The answer mm-hmm. to that is if we as Native Americans cannot defend our own country and our own land, um, who else is going to do it? So I served my country um, as mm-hmm. prior to being colonialized um, very proudly. And for me to say that I am a warrior speaks volumes because it's not only for the United States that I served, but it was also for my homelands prior to being colonialized. So while I was in the military, um, I experienced um, a great number of, of uh, difficulties from being a female first and foremost, mm-hmm. a Native American and um, African American female. Um, however, uh, once I got kind of my feet wet a little bit, it, it wasn't so difficult. But in the 90s, it, it you know, you still had some struggles with um, masculinity. Mm-hmm. and things like that. And so you had twice as strong um, to prove who you were and that you were able to move up in, in ranks. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, Cheyenne and Aaron, so uh, so tell me in terms of you guys being college folk, and, and I'm also seeing Aaron in terms of you with medical school, mm-hmm. are we planning to actually bring that skill set to the res to improve the, the, the lot, the, the daily lives of the people on the res? Um, for me, yes, I do plan to uh, come back to the res because I honestly don't see myself leaving home. <laughs> like that's where my roots are, and um, I'm very close with my parents. Nice. So, um, and I'm very close to like my community as well. So, therefore, like once I graduate, I want to be a cardiologist mm. because you know, a lot of our uh, Navajo people suffer from like heart disease and wow. all those kinds of things, and. I know that our healthcare isn't that great, and you know that's something that I really want to improve. And one thing is, um, there's not as much native medical doctors out there, and mm-hmm. I want to come back and help my people so they know that they have someone they can trust and that they can go to 
because back home everything's all about kinship everybody's all about family even though we're not related they can be like oh yeah like my granddaughter's a doctor and i go see her you should go see her like we trust her very well and that's something that i want to do beautiful beautiful cheyenne tell me about you um, besides of course i know that you got a uh, you got a little bit of b-ball game i see huh <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, so I want to, uh, right now I'm in my bachelor's program with, uh, criminal justice studies mm -hmm. and, um, I do want to pursue a master's degree in indigenous law. So my ultimate career goal is to be the district attorney for my Navajo tribe. And I want to be able to create those spaces, um, not only on, on my reservation, but also at the government level and in Washington and to be able to be a great representative for uh, my people as well, that we have our own uh, government and I want to be able to understand the history and the language that comes with it, as well as to be a great representative in acknowledging those um, spaces in, in Washington as well. So, so uh, definitely I'm hearing that you won't be banning books or history, huh? <laughs> Hopefully I get to rewrite them and tell them the real truth of what is what's going on on the reservation. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Uh, Night Watchman? Oh, I'm just, in, uh, I, you know, sometimes I just sit back and enjoy the show. Um, I, I am just loving the fact that we're able to give a platform um, for these uh, remarkable women who have come from the reservation to uh, speak on a global stage and represent who they are and their people and show the diversity um, and, uh, you know, um involvement engagement with their people and intelligence and um i'm i'm glad for us to be a part of it and and show what you guys are doing and um other than that i'm just gonna go back and continue to watch yes you do all the heavy lifting you like wow. you're, you're the gemini you like to talk you know <laughs> see 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 uh, I, I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know, sort of. <laughs> so, so, so uh, Doctor Lee, you see what I'm subjected to on a daily basis. You see this, right? <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and and like I say, I really, really am uh, truly, truly pleased to have met you uh, uh, and just hear about uh, the journey, but also. The women that you brought on here are like astounding, uh, and Dr. Ebony, I, I love the fact that you're you're claiming not only your native uh, heritage but also your black heritage. Yay! You know, I have I have no choice. It's it's um, both part of me, and I embrace both of them and welcome both of them. Um, without being one, you can't be the other. So, <laughs> exactly. And, and and then we have these these young dynamos here, <laughs> who who I'm really really curious and anxious to see what you guys are going to be doing for sure and and, and night watchman we got to definitely let them know that they have always this safe space or what absolutely absolutely um and uh as uh dr crystal it seems is 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 making um uh new york part of her uh triangle of cities that she likes to work out with um i i have a feeling although uh the way we do our show yeah, you don't have to be here in New York to do it. You know, we can we can certainly do this uh, by remote. Although, if you guys do it from where you are, you might have to get up a little bit earlier. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, and, and uh, okay, and I'll throw this out there. 
since a lockdown, of course, a COVID, been doing a lot of, let's say, reading. Um, well, I, I like to do a lot of audiobooks. So let's say for the novice or the ignorant individual who wants to really, really get a, a true understanding of the history of the Native America here in this country, what would be your go-to uh, books or a uh, book or few books that you could recommend? Anyone, jump in. Um, uh, here we go. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say books. I'd say more like documentaries. Uh-huh. Um, like if you type in, um, um, I don't know, maybe Native American documentaries in YouTube, a lot of them are made by Native people. Mm. And really mm -hmm. like what it's like on the reservation and stuff like that. Yes. For a good example, um, it's about basketball. Mm -hmm. Our res, mm -hmm. um, Netflix came to our res in one of to our, our Native schools here on the reservation. And it's called Basketball or Nothing. And it talks about how us Native kids grew up on the reservation, talking about our schooling, talking about sports and our process going into college. And I think that's a pretty good example of like what we go through and stuff. Mm -hmm. gotcha. So if you want to watch it, it's really good. <laughs> okay, okay. So you're definitely, you're definitely going to uh, send us that information, to, definitely to check out that we can distribute. Uh, uh, Dr. Ebony, any, any recommendations? Yes, I would say um, read the book "Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee." It oh my God! Oh my God! Just say, say no more. That yeah. in incredible, incredible read. Even though it came out in the seventies, still mm -hmm. relevant today. Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And then also um, in the spirit of Crazy Horse, it speaks ah. about the um, aim time frame. It's not really truly based on uh, Crazy Horse, but it is talking about. Um, the American Indian Movement, Lin, uh, Leonard Palatier, Russell, uh -huh. um, Dennis Banks. So it's pretty, um, pretty thought provoking and um, something that I think people need to understand exactly what happened um, at that time frame. Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, Dr. Lee, um, so I would like to give a shout out to one of my former mentors, rest in peace, John Trudell. His documentary is mind blowing. Um, he was part of the American Indian movement, among others, just a, a real um, advocate, uh, human rights. Uh, John Trudell, it's it's about an hour documentary. He's amazing. Um, and also uh, the Navajo co-talkers, I think, you know, just oh, yes. understanding how uh, language systems help this country, even, even an event that what uh, they did to our people. Um, and also, I really like the Wilma Mankiller story. She's the first ever Native American uh, female elected leadership to to represent a whole tribe, and just kind of her stories. Um, her book is is also amazing. In dedication to Women's History Month, uh, the Wilma Mankiller, and she self wrote that book. Wow! Wow! Uh, uh, one of the things that uh, we kind of started, and I'd like any of you to jump in there in terms of really the disappearance and lack of, let's say, uh, looking for Native women who've disappeared from the res. Please, anyone, comment on that. Uh, oh, go ahead. Okay. I'll start off. Okay, go ahead. We got you. Uh-oh. No, hit. Go ahead, Doc. Okay, Doc. so I, mm -hmm. I'm here. Oh, he's muted. Okay. Can you hear me? 
Yes, we can. Okay, perfect. In um, Oglala, back in South Dakota, uh, on the Pine Ridge Reservation, we're working uh, closely with them um, with missing and murdered Indigenous women and children um, mm. and, and persons. And um, over the last year, in 2022 alone, when we first got the report, I want to say it was in June, there was already 89 victims. Wow. <clears throat> with one of... with. The top 10 that were missing recently were closely related to my to my family, um, with one being um, Marie Mason first. Uh, she passed away. She was uh, raped and murdered and um, left for dead. And um, by the time somebody found her, she was already passed. Um, she was a relative of mine, and we are still seeking justice. I also had a niece that um, was transported from South Dakota um, in a trunk of a vehicle. And luckily, mm. a stand buyer um, witnessed um, some unusual behavior by the suspects and mm. called the police and they were able to find her. Otherwise, she would still be missing and we would never know uh, what happened to her. Um, but she was found in the back of the vehicle. Incredible. So, incredible. Yes. Uh, Things like that that happen throughout um, the United States that aren't being spoke about, um, especially in the man towns where um, the women um, are being hunted um, mm. after um, at the oil fields. Um, so it, it's it's scary to see that this is happening, that we are being preyed upon. Mm -hmm. But not only are we being preyed upon for missing and murdered, but we're also being preyed upon when it comes to mental health. Um, it's mm. an epidemic down in Arizona uh, where we're being taken off of the reservations, being told that we're going to seek assistance. And then all of a sudden, um, we're basically kidnapped and taken into group homes um, without any uh, outside connections. So they're taken, not being um, found until they're able to, um, quote unquote, escape or um, make contact with family members. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, Cheyenne and Aaron, any thoughts on that too? Are you guys, uh, uh, I guess, very, very cautious in terms of your travels? Uh, yes, we are very cautious. Um, one is that we always have to watch our surroundings. Um, and one thing is that we always have to uh, be like, when we see a peer of ours or uh, someone younger than us and older than us and Adrian judge us as they go missing and it's unreported or they were raped or they were yes. Domestic violence, and it's very hard because we could be in that situation at any day, any given day. Wow. And I think as um, Native American and as uh, both of us, we always we're always that friend that's always there to talk to them and to be able to have a shoulder to lean on when they need it. And we're always there to help them. And if they need to talk, we're we're there for them all the time. And I think that's really great that we um, created that personality for them in order because not many people think that they have anyone to go to. And I think it's always great to have that friend, that cousin, that family member that you can talk to and be that person to support and help them go through this transition of everything. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, uh, Night Watchman. Uh, yeah, we're at that time. We got to start wrapping up. So I think uh, we'd like to give everybody a chance to just, uh, you know, just leave us some closing comments. It could be um, thoughts on your UN experience or, or anything, any thoughts that you'd like to leave us with. You want to start off? You want to start off with uh, Dr. Ebony? Hey, let's go. 
Good. We got well, you. I would like to say thank you, first and foremost, um, for allowing us to be on the panel today, uh, being able to uh, represent our um, our nations, because we are from different nations, even though we're still in America, uh, we're different tribes, and therefore we represent our own nation. So I appreciate the opportunity um, to be actually vi uh, visual, um, especially in um, the in Indigenous Women's Day uh, just the other day. So I appreciate the opportunity. Looking forward to another time where we can go a little bit more in depth on yes. what Dr. Yes. Lee actually does um, throughout mm. the United States with Indigenous <laughs> health as I'm her administrator for mm -hmm. substance abuse and mental health. So I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much. Beautiful, beautiful. Cheyenne and Erin. Um, <clears throat> I would just like to say thank you in my Dineth language for this opportunity. Um, I know it means a lifetime to me and that I'll always cherish this moment, especially this whole entire trip. Uh, it's my first yeah. time in New York. and the Welcome, yes. <laughs> And the first time is being able to go to the United Nations and to represent is something I'll always cherish forever. Excellent, excellent. Erin? Um, i just like to thank you for um, having us on the show. It's so funny because Cheyenne and I were talking about, like, I always want to be on a, pa a podcast show, and we are told that we were going to be on one yesterday, and we're pretty excited. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, remember, you're going to have to come back to New York again during the summer and when we can just walk around Manhattan and see all the sites, okay? Okay. We went to the, actually, we went to the Wax Museum yesterday. It was oh. really <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Well, uh, Dr. Lee, Renaissance woman, take us home. <laughs> take you to the res. <laughs> um, well, I just wanted to, of course, uh, echo what Dr. Granado said. Uh, just thank you for allowing us to, to utilize this platform uh, to be able to speak on certain topics that impact our communities. Mm -hmm. um, visibility and representation is one of the most um, needed resources for us to get our voices out and heard. Mm -hmm. um, I also want to extend uh, a special gratitude to Dr. Granados, Aaron, and Cheyenne mm -hmm. for partaking in this uh, journey that we have all encountered and will continue to grow together. Um, and also that Indigenous Health will be starting in New York City very soon. We will be partnering with the American Indian Community House, which is a nonprofit that services um, all urban Native Americans here in the city to access uh, culturally responsive health care. So we'll be moving here within the next three months. Excellent. And if you would like to, to support our efforts, please um, go to our unitednatives.org website uh we have different ways you can support um look at the work that we're doing we could always use allyship and um continue support from all communities so say it thank you so much and ladies and gentlemen they have swag all right <laughs> <laughs> night watchman Hey, well, you guys have been listening to Soul Lounge Prime Time. We go on WHCR 90.3 FM, The Voice of Harlem. You can also find us live streaming on YouTube and Facebook. You can find us every Monday night, 7 o'clock on the radio, 8 o'clock on YouTube and Facebook. And you can also find us on your favorite uh, podcast platforms such as Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you you, you all coming on our show, and uh, we wish you well and uh, safe journeys back home. Yes. 
Thank you, y'all.